Are you ready? It's that time! Good day and welcome. It's afternoon as we're recording this for me, but it's morning for Josh. So good day to you, sir and ma'ams. Welcome to Man Buns and Jesus. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Benjamin Allschlager. Pastor Ben, as most of my congregation knows me because they don't, don't want to bother with my last name um same <laughs> every time i have to spell it out i i get night terrors that evening and with me is the uh soon to be professor reverend joshua laborious when do you start teaching uh august 22nd i got i got one of my textbooks right here nice looks great uh Josh is teaching adjunct at Concordia Irvine this fall. Um for some reason they thought he was qualified. So uh my resume looks a lot better than my uh my reality. That's fair. Um but uh we uh we I don't know, we're moving up in the world in terms of like how we look on a resume versus you look at us on paper you're like wow these are two stellar gentlemen and you meet us in person you're like wow these guys are degenerates yeah and the crazy part is they're both true i'll drink to that that's water i hope it is water with aldi brand mio in it oh yeah um yeah God bless Aldi. Uh, this this might be on record as our best introduction ever. <laughs> We're going to get to a topic eventually, I swear. Yeah. Anyway, um, today we're continuing with our, our look at some of the Proverbs as we continue to kind of set ourselves up for fall uh, and, and diving into a new topic and a new book. And this week, we're taking a look at Proverbs 3, uh, verses 1 to 12. This is not, like, Josh and I were discussing this before the episode. In very few places in the book of Proverbs do you have, like, a consistent, like, well-thought-out, organized teaching on something. And this, despite being one of the better examples of that in the book of Proverbs, it's still not a great example of that. So we're going to try and force it to become a great example of that through the legendary wisdom of the Man Buns and Jesus podcast. Um, Now I know it's not water in that bottle. (laughs) Okay. so hopefully you get something out of this. 
Other than the stellar introduction. Yes, other than the stellar introduction. So um, first things first, we're going to read through the text. And I'm going to throw it to Josh to, to start to dive into this for us. So if you want to open your, your ESV Bibles to uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, you can read along verbatim. Otherwise, you might have to follow along a little bit more haphazardly. Do we want to talk about that someday? Yeah, that would probably be a good conversation at some point. Yeah. Okay, cool. You just watched our planning session for another episode. Ooh, look uh, at that. Starting at verse one, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and goodness or favor and good success. In the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. The Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. So in my mind, and, and Josh, I'll let you, I mean, you always have the right to disagree with me because. Because I, can't I never under any circumstances give up that right. That's fair. Um, I see this kind of broken up into five chunks. Okay. Uh, like they're all kind of walking down the same street. Yeah, I could see that. But at the same time, I think they're uh, nine and 10 seem kind of out of left field. But a lot of most of the rest of this, uh, I think, has a very common thread. And bear with me on this one. But I think kind of a, if I were to distill this teaching, this these 12 verses down to like a one word summary, it would actually be submission. And where, where I kind of get that is, so you have in verse one, don't forget my teachings, keep my commandments. Uh, verse two, the entirety of your life. Um, don't let love for uh, faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck. So those verses are kind of speaking to submitting to God's law and always having that around you and that, that being defining in your life. And then you go forward to five and six, it's don't lean on your own understanding. You know, everything you're kind of, you're submitting to God in, not just in, in how he has commanded us to live, but also in how we perceive the world how we understand the world uh seven is more of that don't be wise in your own eyes fear the lord turn away from evil i'm and even nine and ten honor the lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce that's more of this submission we're submission submitting to god in 
how we act, how we think, how we spend our resources. And then finally is be accepting of his discipline, which I think again is submission. And this is something that I think, I can't speak for other countries or other times, but Americans don't like the concept of submission. We are rebels through and through, right? The, the name of our, the, the fan group of the U.S. men's national team, I think is the rebels. American um, outlaws. American outlaws. See, I mean, it's just a cooler way to say it. Uh, I mean, what are the most famous events in our, in our country's history? Throwing a bunch of tea into a harbor in Boston. Because we didn't like taxes. Telling the British to leave us alone. Twice. And and even now, like the, everybody just, nobody wants to submit. Everyone wants to be in charge. We want to do what we want, when we want. And I think that is an impediment to us because we carry some of that attitude with us into our relationship with God. And where you see this most notably, I think, is when people have ethical disagreements with the scripture because scripture says like, and, and a really notable one, because I've had this conversation with people before is there's this feeling of love is love and we should accept, you know, homosexual relationships as like, why is that any different? Because I think there is this inborn part of us. that's like, they're not hurting anyone. So why, like some of the human logic would say, why not? And my kind of response, maybe a little bit of a sharp response is, who are you to say my idea of morality or ethics is better than God's? And it's the same thing. I, I did a sermon on this this last week, and we talked about some of the paradoxes of faith and these parts of faith that we don't understand. And there are people who will say, well, if I can't understand it, if I can't reconcile it, it must not be true. And my reverse is like, who do you think you are to say, God, you have to work how I think is like within what I think is possible or within what I think makes sense. Like, and, and that's what this is talking about. It's like, don't if forget your true, place. If that's true, your first task needs to be convincing me that we don't live in a simulation. The matrix is real. Because, like, like, if if our response to God's wisdom for us is, I know better, prove to me that you exist. Like, this has been the philosophical challenge. This has been the philosophical challenge for the last like 1500 years. Well, and I also have. And, and this might step a little bit further in philosophy than we want to, but if, if God should be subject to what we think, or even if we are the arbiters of what is, of, is what true and moral and right, the greater man theory holds. And for, for anyone who's not familiar and didn't have the pleasure, and I'm being sincere here, didn't have the pleasure of reading Crime and Punishment in high school, 
the greater man theory is if you are a greater person, if you are, you know, just a specimen of a human being, uh, not necessarily physically, but also physically, then you have the right to impose morality and reality as you see fit. And Crime and Punishment explores that because a guy thinks, oh, I am a greater man. And he sees a, a person who is without value to society and he kills them because he says this person is just a drain on society. And then the rest of the book is him slowly devolving into madness because he has this unimaginable guilt with him. And it's Dostoevsky kind of pointing out, like, we can deny that there is an objective reality all we want. We can deny that there's an objective morality. That doesn't mean it's not there. That just, you know, means we're closing our eyes and, and plugging our ears and saying, nah, 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 until we go crazy. Um, I think a great, and this is more of the the proper relationship between us and God. I love, if you've ever read through the book of Job, most of the book of Job is frankly Job complaining. And the Lord finally answers Job in, in Job 38. And it says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you. You make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. And he goes on. This is like several chapters where he's just again and again and again. He's like, uh, or who shut the sea in with doors? And, and when it burst from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling. <laughs> and he's like, where were, what are you, like, who are you to tell me what to do? And I think that's a big part of what this proverb is getting at. It's it is not our place to question God. It is not our place to make him fit in our reality. And if, if you're coming at this from a skeptic's point of view, that's kind of, uh, I mean, it's a tautology. This is true. And if you find evidence that it's not true, it's still true. I just don't understand how the evidence fits. Um, and that kind of seems almost like a cop-out maybe. And it's because it's blind faith. And we would say, well, yeah, yeah, it is. And First Corinthians 1 says that is, that is foolishness to those who do not believe. I mean, the biggest piece of, the biggest piece of all of that is like we can, we can pin our faith to one concrete event that we know happened, right? Christ, the, the man, and God was here on earth. He died. There was an empty tomb three days later. And a bunch of people who knew him well were willing to go to their graves saying that they saw him resurrected. And more than that, were willing to go to their graves because they saw him. They said exactly. they saw him resurrected. Yeah, exactly. So it might be one of the most well attested events in history, actually. It's, it's certainly in ancient history, the most well-attested event. Um, if you can, like, I saw a chart recently, if you compare it to, like, the Trojan War, which we know happened because we found the walls of Troy, um, and they're beat up, like, there's, like, a thousand times more evidence that Christ rose. 
anyway. Um, Not necessarily what we're here for today, but no. noteworthy nonetheless. If you need a reason to, to like submit yourself to the Lord in this way, let it be a certainty in the fact that we know that there was a physical, literal, historical Jesus who came to earth, died for you, and rose from the dead. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, if, if God can do that, which he did, then maybe we should put him as a priority in our lives. Um, well, and it's worth noting that the reason we take the rest of scripture so seriously is because Jesus told us to. Yeah. Like Ben, Ben's offering this, the crucifixion and resurrection as a place to base your faith. And in reality, it is the place to base your, like everything else we believe comes from, like that is the central point, right? Absolutely. And we say, well, why do we take the Old Testament so seriously? Because Jesus took it really seriously. He referred to the scriptures all the time as truth, as prophecy. Um, and why do we take the, the gospels and the books that follow? Because Jesus is like, don't forget my teachings. And he passed along this stuff to the disciples and that's, and it got recorded and we should, we should take this seriously, right? So why do we take this proverb seriously? Well, maybe. Because Ben the, said the, so. The Jesus who died for you and rose from the dead took it seriously. I don't know. Just offering that as a thought. That's the only thought. I don't know. Are you out of thoughts? I'm full of thoughts, but not always good ones. Um, I'd love to get your take on kind of circling around a little bit, because sure. none of, none of the rest of this podcast matters if you if you don't buy into that basic concept of God's will, God's the the understanding of reality that comes from god's word and what he has revealed to us we should take that seriously like we should take that as true because it is honestly if the you're way, not there the way that we the rest teach of this the, podcast isn't going to matter yeah the way that we teach the lutheran faith doesn't work if you don't start with that premise because we start with well i shouldn't say we always start with this but like if you go through Luther's small catechism, the way that he designed it to be gone through, you start with looking at God's will and using that to recognize your desperate need for something outside yourself. Um, and you see the beauty of the way that he created. The beauty of the design he made for, for the world. And how terrible humanity is as a whole chief of sinners though i be uh we we do as like keeping that and we move from there to our need for christ um and then circle that back into well now we need to live in a devotional and 
you know, ethical manner that encourages us back into the design that God called us to. And kind of speaking of that devotional, like always circling back to what God calls us to, I, I think verse three is really compelling. Um, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck. And it'd be interesting to, to hear from you, Ben, what, what you have found to be helpful contemporary equivalents of binding, binding around your neck, I guess the will of God. I think he's speaking metaphorically here, but at the same time, I know there were some uh, some Jewish traditions for like literally having written pieces of God's word, like as jewelry almost. Um, which now that I think about it, I mean, there's Christian equivalents of that too. Like I've, I've seen advertisements for like uh, bracelets that have the Lord's prayer inscribed on them. I think I saw one that had, it said it had the entire Bible inscribed in it, like on a, on a really small, like teeny tiny little font. And I'm like, I'm not sure I buy that. I, if I got a microscope out, I'm pretty sure I would not find the entirety of the Bible on that singular bracelet. No, you just here nor there. up on like Lot and his daughters, like specifically. I don't want to wear that on my wrist. I don't like that story. <laughs> anyway, um, I think if you're, if you are, uh, if you have viewer discretion, go ahead and look you up the story of Lot and his daughters. If you if you don't have discretion, if you are viewer discretion is advised for that Bible story. Yeah. So, <laughs> comment on that, and then I'll answer your question. On my vicarage year, my my supervising pastor had a, a tradition of over the summer, they would take requests on uh, like things we see in the modern world, movies, TV shows, songs, something that he would then be forced to use as an image in his sermon. No. No, so no. It was kind of fun. I did Star Wars. Um, I would like to speak to anyone in my congregation right now. I won't do it. I will exercise my veto if you say you want me to preach on Lot and his daughters. The second year that I was there, because I happened to be there for two times that they did this. The second time I was there, he opened it up to just pick the most dysfunctional and challenging things you can find in scripture, and we'll preach on that. Um, so we did we did Revelation and some of the interesting imagery there. I did um, uh, Elisha and the youths and the she-bears. That's okay. a great scene. That was probably the funnest sermon I've ever preached. Um, what else did I do? Um, I can't remember what, what else all came up in that, but like we we covered some pretty horrendous stuff. I think 
Dinah might have been one. Um, the brother or the daughter of of uh, Jacob that gets assaulted. Yeah. The well, son. And then there's the. Oh no, I'm not going to remember what tribe it is. Oh, the Benjamites. Yeah. When they just go take wives for themselves after oh no 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 that's not what i'm thinking of i'm thinking of the uh of the incident that results in a concubine being cut into pieces and mailed across israel that's the same incident yeah so that's the inciting event i think i think anyway it's uh it's a good time. Um, there are some pretty like difficult to stomach stories in scripture. And it's not that they're there, like that we shouldn't acknowledge them, but like yeah, they're there for a reason. I would just argue that uh they're better dealt with in a less large scale setting. I need to take this and it might take a few minutes. Oh, you got a phone call? Yeah, sorry. Okay. I'll talk about what I think it means to bind them to bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. I, I can never mind. We're good. Oh I well took too long. I took a ring too long. So the person that was trying to call me hung up. Scrub. Yeah. Do you want to go? You want to run? Sure, I'll go. Anyway. So back to Josh's original question. What does it look like to, to bind these things to our neck? What does it look like to write them on the tablets of our heart um, in a modern context? Um, so this is maybe a bit of an interesting note coming from the two of us. But I just got back from convention where... There were a lot of pastors walking around with very large crucifixes on that Josh and I think are maybe a bit ostentatious and yeah. Anyway, like, okay, I'm going to sidebar this for a second, then come back. I promise. No, that's two sidebars back to back. Yeah. I remember seeing a pastor once with a, a like literally looks like it was supposed to be a wall cross. It was like foot and a half tall, like eight inches wide, and that like on a full metal chain, the guy looked like he probably got it Home Depot. He was getting his neck workout in, is what it was. Sure. Anyway, that was not this week, but I've seen that in the past. That's that's when you know you've gone too far. When you need to buy your neck chain at Home Depot. Um, but I think, I think a crucifix can be a great way to, to remember this, especially like a small one. And if it's something that literally rests on your heart, um, I used to have a necklace. It was one of those that's made of, uh, like old fashioned nails, um, that like when it rested on my chest, I could feel it. Right. And when you feel that moving around, it's a reminder, hey, like, this is something that needs to be on your heart. Um, so, like, you can have that kind of very, very physical representation 
um, in much the same way that like when you are you know fiddling with your wedding ring you're reminded of your your commitment to your wife right um you can have some sort of, of physical reminder in that way uh, that can be something that helps kind of tie you back to some of these things some of the the will of god that you're really trying to focus on in daily life um I think above and beyond that, it gets a little bit more metaphorical. Um, you mean writing something on the tablet of your heart isn't literal? I mean, like... Should I cancel that surgery I have scheduled? No, so... <laughs> Did you so, say no? <laughs> no, do it. Go for it. You're saying that I should go forward with, I, if I found a surgeon who's willing to cut me open and carve words into my bleeding heart. Tattoo. That's okay. Sure. Go for it. Um, ben wants to be the only, the only host of Man, Buns, and Jesus. That's his goal here, apparently, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, there was still a concrete side to a lot of what I think Solomon's trying to prescribe here. I, I think this is wisdom from Solomon. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but my guess is that what he's trying to get at is like, you need to be yeah, so. Proverb of Solomon. Perfect. You need to be so engaged in this stuff that it is as if it is written on your heart. Yeah, and this is something that I, this, like, this is one of my, my soapboxes, right? Be in the word regularly. And not only that, be with people who are going to reflect those same values in your life. Um, and I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. You need to spend time with other Christians. And, and two of the major reasons for that, one is modeling. So you see other people in your life who are embodying this steadfast love and faithfulness to the word of God, because that's going to work in your, in your brain in, in a different way than just because personal devotions are great. Don't get me wrong. We, we should be in our word. We should be doing personal and family devotions and, and kind of work on that uh, cognitive side of things. But also we need to be surrounded with people who are modeling this stuff to, to build it up in our brain in a different way. So that is written on the tablet of our heart. In, in kind of an emotional and relational way. And you also need to be around people who are going to give you dirty looks when you're acting out of line with it. Shame is incredibly important to who we are and how our identity is shaped. Now, it's really important that we keep in mind that uh, there's a difference between healthy shame and toxic shame. So healthy shame says, it looks like you've forgotten who we are and how we behave. Stop it. I'm going to correct you, but you are still loved. There is still forgiveness here. You are still part of this community. Um, you just had a lapse, and then we're going to move forward. Where toxic shame says, oh, you screwed up. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, like, half of parenting, not half, 
20% at least of parenting, at least from what I can tell. Josh, you can uh, lean into oh, this. Two weeks your... of my baby who sleeps 20 yes. hours a day. Yeah. Like a good 20% plus of parenting is your, your tactical and judicious application of helpful shame. Like, hey, stop eating dirt. It's going to make you sick. What are you talking about? A little dirt's good for your immune system. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It like <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with you there. Um maybe a better one. Stop eating Play-Doh. You know how many ki other kids. Yeah, that's a good call. That. That's don't do that. Yeah. Um I'll rest my case there. So like if you think about the kind of helpful reproof and shame um, that comes from a parent and like bridge that very, very small divide between an earthly parent and our heavenly father, right? In terms of the, the kind of love that they, oh, okay, infinite divide, but in practice, very similar kind of love um, that you get between an earthly parent and a heavenly, our heavenly father. Like when we receive these things, we should know that they are coming out of steadfast love. His for us. Uh, yes. And therefore we should attempt to bind that very thing to our hearts, our minds, our hands. And a really important, and I think this is helpful that you listed heart, head, hands, and that because you, you can't just do it one way. Well, you can. A lot of people do. You shouldn't. And this is something that educate good at, I should say, good educators will tell you. Um, learning things only one way is not nearly as effective as approaching them from a couple different avenues. Like, and I don't know if it's still a still a phase, but there was a while in education where people would figure out their learning styles. I'm a visual learner. I'm an audit, auditory learner. I'm a kinesthetic learner. And the problem with that is people then leaned into it and said, oh, I only learn visually. No, what that test or assessment or whatever told you is maybe that you learn best visually, that you're most comfortable learning visually, but if you really want to get information stuck in your head, you want to, I mean, neurochemistry wise, you want to fire those neurons in as many different ways as possible to strengthen those connections. So that means, yeah, you should learn visually. You should also go over the same, uh, same information auditorily if you can, kinesthetically. Um, that is why the act of actually writing out notes can be so helpful for in, retaining information. Um, so when we're talking about discipleship and this steadfast love and faithfulness, get it in worship, get it in personal devotion, get it in prayer, get it in reading, get it in community, like try. And my encouragement to you, if you're looking, well, how do we go about this? Start by just look at the opportunities in your life to insert this a little bit at a time, right? Don't say, oh, I've heard this podcast. Now I have to go whole, you know, 
I'm going to start, I'm going to do two weekly Bible studies. I'm going to be in worship every week. You should be in worship every week. I'm going to read three chapters of the Bible every day. Like, don't go zero to 100, right? If you're not doing anything, maybe start, I'm going to be in worship every week, and I'm going to listen to a devotion once a day. Or like, look for the places in your life where it's pretty easy to start slotting it in and then grow from there would be my, and if you're if you're at a, a place where you have some of those habits ingrained look for the next place where you can kind of you can add or you can grow or you can deepen one of those habits um and what i want to say and i think this might be a good place for us to start to wind down is to turn to um is to turn to verse eight it says, be, well, seven says, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And then in 11 and 12, it says, don't despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Um, the law and doing this kind of stuff is not easy. And, and it, it is a challenge and it's a challenge that there are a lot of different voices in our lives that are going to try and make it even harder, but it is good. And in a lot of ways, I look at it as kind of, I, I have two kind of metaphors for it. One is a workout, right? Workouts are hard if you're doing them right. Workouts are hard. Workouts can hurt. Right. I was doing I was doing flies this morning and my pectoral muscles, they were like, what are you doing? You need to stop this. This hurts. And I said, no, shut up. I'm getting my I'm getting my reps in. Uh, that, that it's not easy. But man, does it feel good when I see someone struggling with a really heavy box or something? And I say, hey, let me take that for you. And, and I can help like uh, we had a neighbor a while back who needed to get their car into their garage. Um, and it had, it was dead for whatever reason. It like it feels really good to say, yeah, I can I can push your car in your garage for you. Just steer so it doesn't hit the wall, right? Um, and then another example is a train. Uh, if you're taking a train to get from point A to point B, that might not be like it might be a circuitous route. It might not be the easiest route. But if you get off those tracks, you you're gonna have a rough time, right? Uh, and you might get lucky and the train might stay upright for a while, but at some point you're going to have trouble. Um, so I think with all of this, like nothing we've talked about today is easy to do, but that doesn't make it any less worthwhile. In fact, maybe that even makes it more worthwhile, you know, no pain, no gain. Am I right, boys? That was so lackluster, Ben. No enthusiasm. Where is the enthusiasm? It's a Monday, dude. You can't expect that much out of me. Bruh, it's, for me, it's Monday at 10 a.m. Like, how, how do I have more enthusiasm? I'm not even an enthused person, generally. Oh, I don't even have ca that much caffeine in my system. I don't, what's up? You're on your workout high. That's true. That's correct. I'm in the lunch rut. Oh, that's okay. Fair. I'll, I'll credit you with that. Thank you. Uh, 
I take this to mean we should probably start winding down. Because um, we've we've like we've been we've been a little all over the place today. Uh, I yeah. hope for you listeners, you've still found something helpful here. But to be fair, us being all over the place is reflective of fair, most uh, of the proverbs. Yeah, that's fair. And like I said, this is one of the most cohesive ones we could find. So um, we might be and nitpicking. We, and some we ruined this. We might be nitpicking some individual uh, verses over the next few weeks. But uh, Josh, you got a takeaway in mind? Uh, my takeaway is look for different ways to grow in your faith and not just ways that you're comfortable with. My takeaway, remember to ask, your, ask yourself the question, who do you think you are? Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's going to be a title. Um, Speaking of titles, you can find all of our titles and all of our episodes on most major podcasting platforms. Yes, it is the shameless plug time. Uh, if you, if anyone you know needs to be humbled, send them this podcast. And if you got sent this podcast, it might be someone encouraging you to ask, who do you think you are? Um, we are, we are on Spotify. We're on Pandora. We're on, um, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbean is actually like our primary hosting platform. Um, subscribe on, on whatever platform. And if you could rate us on that platform, preferably only if you like us. If you hate this podcast, I don't know why you're still listening. But uh, if you could give us a rating, that I think that helps us pop up in searches more. So that'd be cool. And um, we have a Facebook page. You can use it if you don't know us personally to submit topics or if you have a guest you want us to come on. We are in the process of planning season five. We're going to go through another book. We're going to try and bring on a lot of guests like we did with season four. Um, so if you have anything in particular you think we should really make sure to include there, uh, you can go ahead and if you know us personally, you can just text us, email us, whatever. Um, if you don't, that's what the Facebook page is for. We do check it from time to time. And we have a singular piece of merchandise that is available to purchase if you so choose. Go to edgewaterlutheran.org slash gear and there's a Man Buns and Jesus t-shirt. You can buy it. It has our faces on the front. On the back it says, my favorite podcast is Man Buns and Jesus. So I put their, the host's faces on my shirt. Um, I don't expect anyone to ever purchase this shirt. So if you do buy it, we need photographic evidence that someone has purchased it and is wearing it. Um, bonus points if you get it, cut the sleeves off, and then wear it as a sleeveless shirt. Um, so with all those shameless plugs out of the way, I think that's all we got. Uh, brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.